I think from an economic standpoint, we're not out of the woods. I mean, this is not, oh my gosh, this is great. Rates are going down. It's, you know, rainbows and puppy dogs and everything's great. No, our job is to not just make money for the people that we serve, our clients. This is a long-term play with short-term strategies. a regular gym routine. When was the last time you checked on your financial fitness? If you're feeling like you're falling behind, Ed Sedell is here to help with The Retirement Trainer, a podcast about helping you get into better financial shape. Every week, Ed talks about things you need to know to become more financially fit for your future. Learn about things like how much money will you need, financial mistakes other people often make, and how you can avoid them. Plus, details on The Retirement Fitness Plan, a plan Ed personally created to help you get to and through retirement by focusing on five key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the retirement fitness plan when you visit egsifinancial.com and click on processes. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to The Retirement Trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. It's The Retirement Trainer with Ed Sedell, a podcast about finding ways to help you become financially fit for your future, no matter what financial shape you're in now. Why bonds now? Over the last several years, the typical retirement portfolio has been 60% to 40% split between equities and bonds. And this has cost our retirees a lot of money. So why do bonds make sense now? Why isn't cash still king? This is Leanne Sedell and here to help us with all our questions and to give us some guidance to stay in the best financial shape possible, the retirement trainer, Ed Sedell. Hi, Ed. Hey, Leanne. What's going on? Crazy world. It is. Right? It After is. Turkey Day, we're, we're still kind of in that, that turkey uh, uh, Food fog. coma. Food coma, <laughs> fog, right? Well, I wanted you to talk about this topic. Yeah, because it's, it's not a simple topic, right? Let me preface everything by saying I went from being completely bearish in October when we had the 30-year mortgage at 8.3%. We had the 30-year bond yields and 20-year bond yields, you know, the highest they'd been in decades. The uh, CPI, which is the measure of inflation, higher than expected. We had commodity prices. Gold was approaching $2,000 an ounce. And, you know, we had oil over $90 a barrel. And I was like, you know what? I think we've, we're hitting that tipping point. And then all of a sudden... Bond yield started to drop. Commodity prices started to drop. We started seeing oil in below $80 a barrel. Gas here in Columbus, below $3 a gallon. I know. And we saw the 30-year mortgage go from 8.3% national average down to in the sevens, a little bit higher than mid sevens. And I'm like, what's going on? What I mean, what changed? Because, you know, we were really, we were being very cautious. We were really preparing. Uh, we still had, a, you know, exposure in the markets. And then November hit. And then I realized I'm going to be cynical here, okay? And um, We're in an election year. <laughs> it, it is. And that's it. I'm like, oh my gosh, we've hit the election year, the one-year mark, and here we go. In James Carville, it's about the economy, stupid, his famous quote. And he said, you know, hey, as long as gas prices are down, there's no pain at the pumps and interest rates are low and people can buy things, you know, we Americans, we have a short-term memory. And we're already starting to, to see that. 
Now, a couple things. So my thoughts on Powell and, you know, raising rates, I don't think he can. I mean, even if he raises another quarter percent or what we call 25 basis points, there's such a lag effect. We're not even going to see the effect for 18 to 24 months. So it would serve no purpose. I also think that rates are going to come down sometime towards the end of the second quarter, probably May, if not sooner depending on the economy, and I'm going to come back to the economy here in a minute with as it relates to the recession. So bad news, bad economic news is good news for, for the markets because as soon as Powell lowers rates, okay, the market is is going to take off. And this has everything to do with bonds, but I want everyone to understand the, the economy and, and what I'm seeing. And I'm going to even dial you back even more than that to explain bonds because there's good bonds and there's bad bonds to be involved in here. So there, there. Yes. And, and, and you're right. And that goes hand in hand with being cautious. I'm not as bearish as I was. So some would look at that as being a little bit bullish. And right now I'm bullish in the near term with extreme caution. Look, we've got the national debt at an all-time high. We've got unfunded liabilities, which is Medicare, Social Security, government pensions, you know, the military. You know, the CBO, Congressional Budgetary Office, says that, you know, we're, we're somewhere estimated at $180 trillion that we owe on top of the, you know, 34 and approaching mm-hmm. 35 trillion. So we're over $200 trillion in, in debt. And we've got consumer debt on all-time high, credit card debt on all-time high. The the average credit card is now charging close to 25%, which means if you're paying the minimum payment, right? You're, you're, you're spinning you're, your wheels. You're spinning your wheels. You're buying it again every four years. And the list goes on and on and on. We're seeing you know higher bankruptcies, foreclosures, all of these things. And I don't think the financial sector is out of the woods, right? I think credit is going to continue to tighten. So what does that mean? I think we're going to have a recession next year, right? And I think we were in a rolling recession, we're coming out of it, and it's going to continue to roll. So it's not going to be down and we're done. I think it's going to continue. But good news is bad news for the market and bad news is good news for the market. As rates go down, it's going to give small companies, small cap companies, the ability to pay their loans. It's going to, the housing market, housing prices are already down 18%. Um, so as interest rates come down, it's going to be a little bit more affordable, which is a big deal because it was the least affordable it's been in American history over the last you know six months. So why bonds and why not cash? And, and how does all this have to do with bonds? So when we were talking about bonds, we're not just talking about corporate bonds. We're talking about U.S. Treasuries. Okay, you've got two years and less. You've got from two to five years. You've got from five to 10 years and 10 years and longer, 10, 20, and 30. And those are T-bills, T-notes, and bonds. So bonds are anything that are 10 years or longer. Why is that important that we're even looking at bonds? Because if the U.S. is in such financial peril, which they are, if we if we did this, we would all be arrested. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right? I mean, we, we really would. So from a government standpoint, we, we have three choices, right? The country. So we can either pay off the debt, and say, here we go. We're, we're just going to go ahead and cut a check and be done. Well, we well, don't have the money. I was just going to say. We don't have the money, that, right? So that the would option make us one, all cry. Yes, right? <laughs> so, so the, Well, there isn't any, okay? Yeah. Option two, we can walk away from the debt. Just say, we're done, all right? And then option three is, you know, we're going to print our way out of this. And I, and I think it's going to be option three, and that's going to create the recession. So that's that quantitative easing that we did after the, the Great Recession and in 08, 09, the housing bubble, whatever term you want to use, that caused the uh, the global financial crisis. So why would we even be talking about bonds if we're looking at it? So remember I said that 
in the near term, I'm a little bit bullish, but longer term, not so much. And why bonds instead of cash? Well, you can't see my hands now, but if you could, you could see the graph because I do this for everyone. As cash is paying out, you know, five, there for a while, it was, it was over five and a half percent. Okay. You could stick it in a money market account and you don't want a seven day revolving. All right. But now it's dropping below 5%. You've got the 30 year treasury or the 30 year bond treasury that is, you know, below four and a half percent. And so the value of the, the, these are called yields, those interest rates, the yields keep dropping and dropping. And so there comes a point in time where you want to lock in the value, right? For a longer term of that dollar. And so taking it out of cash and putting it a little bit longer term, whether it's a two-year, a five-year, a seven-year, you know, in a 10-year, and I, I really don't believe we should do anything longer than 10 years because of the bigger debt thing, to lock in, you know, if rates really do drop and we really do have a recession and they do bring it back down to 2% or 2.5%, like a lot of people are talking about, especially for retirees, you know, and, and those clients that we serve, we want to make sure that we're locking in that higher rate of return for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Here comes the second part. So as rates go down, all right, the market is going to go up. The market is already priced in and we're, we've been seeing the rally, right, since, you know, before Halloween. And I think it's going to continue to be volatile. But the reason is, is that the markets and investors are looking at it saying as rates are lower, it's going to free up more money. There's more money sitting on the sidelines, I mean, tens of trillions of dollars that are starting to, to be reinvested like, like us, right? All right. So, so we've started to reinvest those accounts because you can't pick top, you can't pick bottom, you know, and, yeah, and we're, exactly. we're just really hedging our bets. Now, the near term, right, that's between now and the election. This is the election cycle, and there's going to be a lot of volatility between now and then. The problem is what happens afterwards? Well, and, and, and you and I have touched base on this. It also has to do with the, the corporate. Corporate bonds and, 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 and credit and, crunch. And, I'm referring to the loans, the people just walking away from these uh, this corporate real estate. There's no recourse. They just can walk away from it. And That's and right. The, and and you, that's the operative word. You said it, no recourse. It's a non-recourse loan, which means, so when the everyday American, when you're buying um, uh, a house, right, and you're buying a half million dollar house or whatever it is, people don't have typically $500,000. So what do they do? They, they take out a loan. They take out a loan. They put, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40% down and get a loan out for the rest. And when you take out that loan, that promissory note in there says that you're on the hook. You have to pay for- Or file bankruptcy. Or file bankruptcy, right? So even if the value of that property drops, so if you if you bought the house for 500000 and now all of a sudden it drops to two fifty, and you still owe 400000 you you still owe 400000 right? If you walk away, you're, you're, you have to file bankruptcy, you're on the hook for that. Non-recourse means- there's no personal guarantee. You could just walk away. And there's a lot of those out there right now. It is approximately $1.2 trillion of non-recourse. So this is why I'm saying I, I think from an economic standpoint, we're not out of the woods. I mean, this is not, oh my gosh, this is great. Rates are going down. It's, you know, rainbows and puppy dogs and everything's great. No, our job. Our job is to not just make money for the people that we serve, our clients, but it's to, you know, guide and protect them and, and think of them, this is a long-term play with short-term strategies. It's the difference between a war and a battle. We've got to win a bunch of little battles to win the big war. And so this strategy between now and the election is one of those battles, right? That's the, the shorter-term strategy for the bigger picture. And... I think commodities, I mean, we, we just, we saw gold, I think at one point last week, it was- 21. No, it was at, uh, it was close. It was close. It was uh, 2,060, 
three. I think I, I just when we came in here was close to uh, $2,040 an ounce. And, you know, not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago, it was in, you know, below 1900 an ounce. Silver was 21 You know, I think it actually dipped to 20 20 and change, below $21 an ounce. And now it's over 24 approaching 25 So what that is telling me is there's an escape to preserve value. When you're investing in gold, it's about hedging against depreciation of the U.S. dollar, mm-hmm. right? And really with the bonds that we're looking at in, in those portfolios that we're putting together, depending on everyone's risk, right? We talk about speed limit signs. One is the least amount of risk. 100 is the most amount of risk. The market, the NASDAQ is above 90. The S&P is in the 80s. And most of our clients on average, you know, they're in that balanced. We have some that are super aggressive and some that are super conservative, but, you know, it's it's in that 50 to 60 range on average. So- when we're looking at these portfolios, right now, what I'm looking at is it's it's really a hedge, right? So we want to make sure that we're taking advantage of the cards that are being dealt to us right now, all right? Because this is the hand that's being dealt. So what do we do? Do we continue to hang on onto cash as it continues to devalue? Well, no, that doesn't make sense. Because as cash continues to devalue, the value of bonds is going what? Up. up. It's going the opposite way, which is why investing in bonds right now makes sense, you know, except for those clients that have an all equity portfolio. Yep. But again, you know, looking at these bonds, I mean, going out further than 10 years doesn't make sense. And there's the same thing with corporate bond, you know, so that the, having the A paper, right? Triple A paper, you know, even some of those value companies that are NR not rated because those particular debentures, right? Which is a bond, it's a debt, you know, haven't been established long enough. You know, those companies are value companies that, you know, strong balance sheets, a lot of cash. And and so being able to pick and choose and, and ladder those out because you don't want all 10-year bonds. Yep. You don't want all two-year bonds, right? You want to be able to ladder those so you're getting um, higher yield on the shorter term and locking those in. And then those when those expire, you keep rolling those over into longer terms and, and stretching those out, you know, as, as things go through. But, you know, the uh, what's the old proverb, the Chinese cookie? We, we live in interesting times. <laughs> 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 well, like I said, the fundamentals, if we had been basing it on fundamentals, I think you said this many months ago that, you know, the up is down. And yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't work. Yeah. It, it really, it really, really doesn't make sense. And, you know, so hard assets, right? Those things that are tangible, whether it's property, land, gold, silver, you know, those things that you can physically touch and hold. I mean, those are great storage of value. You know, because it's it's limited. It's land is limited, right? So value is going to go up. It's going to go down, but it's finite. We're seeing a lot of stocks. I got this question last month, and it's kind of a debate, I guess. They said, "Well, you know, if I had just held on to you know all of my stock after the the housing bubble, you know, it would have all come back." And I was like, "Well, it depends on what companies that you were in." And he said, "Well, no, that's not true." And I'm like, "Well, what if you were in Lehman Brothers? What if you were in Bear Stearns? What if you were in Enron?" you know, and WorldCom and all these things. And so anything that deals in an absolute, you can't, right? It's wrong. You just from its face, it's wrong. So- Well, and again, you're looking in those situations, if we're going to base it off that, they were all highly leveraged. So yes. as soon as this came into, and that should be an example for us yeah. all, if we're going to talk about leverage and we're going to talk about our country being so over leveraged, we need to start opening our eyes. Even the market, right? You know, so we we actually got, uh, we, we were out of bonds in 2015-ish, right? When we saw the report and the market was double the leverage that it was before the housing crisis, the housing bubble, 
Okay. And I'm like, oof. So what's that telling me? Well, there's a lot of debt, right? That, But it just kept rolling on. And the reason it kept rolling on is because rates were zero. So money was literally, money was cheap. It was free. And then eventually you knew that rates had to rise. And if rates went up and you were stuck with a lot of bonds, you know, you were going to lose money. It was going to go upside down. And that's what happened. So that's when we look at SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, and some of these other banks that the Federal Reserve has taken over recently. And, you know, SVB is one of the largest bailouts in, in U.S. history. <laughs> And yet they didn't do that to Lehman. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So well, you know, and, again, that, and, and that's the whole thing. It's like, all right, well, so this has more to do with the, the fiscal policy as well as monetary policy. Okay. The fiscal policy is what, that's the budget, what Congress does to make sure that we stay on point and don't overspend, which we know that. We are going to overspend. Yes. And, and everyone says, well, you know, we, we have a revenue problem because collections continue to be down. Collections are down significantly, not just on a federal level, but more importantly, on a state and local level, right? And everyone says, well, we have to raise taxes because we need more revenue. So it's a revenue problem. And others are saying, no, Ed, it's a, it's a spending problem. We're just spending, right? And, and neither one of those are wrong. But the reality is we have a leadership problem. Yeah. And so when we're looking at all of this, and then you've got the Federal Reserve you got saying, way too many politicians and not enough uh, CEOs. Honestly, any other CEO, they need to, they're held accountable for these decisions that they make on spending and programs that they put into place. You're absolutely. And and then when you look at Powell, right? So Powell said, I'm not a political animal, right? We're not supposed to be political. But the reason that they're independent is to hold the the Congress accountable for their fiscal policy. I mean, they're they're, right. And and he's kind of walking away from that charge. Part of the, the ongoing problem is, is that it started under Bush one and then Clinton we kind of restructured our, our government debt instead of having it 20 and 30 years out that we started doing it, you know, a year or less, most of it on 90 days because it made the debt look better because back then when rates were high and short-term interest was paying very little, our interest payments on the debt was was low. So it created a surplus, all right? Now the problem is, is that the short-term debt, because the inverted yield curve, which means short-term interest is paying or debt is paying more than the longer term, okay, they can't refinance. And no one's willing to buy that longer term debt for less money than they can with the short term. So this is why I keep saying, you know, we have this debt bubble. So when we're looking at bonds, you know, we're very cognizant of this debt bubble, this debt crisis that we're facing. And that's why I am bullish to a certain degree very cautiously in the near term. And I do like bonds over cash. Anybody that's not concerned about that, they're lying to themselves or to others because the evidence is very, very clear about that. Oh, about, it, yes. And it amazes me listening to financial pundits on the news. It shocks me when they actually will say, oh no, this is all positive. Like you just said, Rainbows and puppy dogs. Everything it's, is good. It's all great. It's all great. great. Hey, we're hey we're in a bull market. This is a bull market. Well, you know what? Yeah, yes. However, we you got to look at the bigger picture. Why is there a bull market? Or what are the numbers? What what's the math? What's supporting this? And what's the longevity of it? And so you know, again, you have to hedge against everything. So right now, you know, we're hedging against the the longer term for the short term to take advantage of what's going on, but. You know, as we get closer and closer to that election cycle, I'm more prepared, right? Just in case the bottom falls out, there has to be a plan in place, you know, just like we did during COVID. You want to make sure that, you know, those people that that we uh, protect and serve, you know, are, are taken are care of. Taken care of. Yep. 
Well, we wanted to talk about this subject a great deal. I had many, many questions that I hit him with. And likewise, if you have questions or if you have things that you would like us to discuss on the podcast, I would be so open to having those ideas thrown our way. So please reach out at info at egsifinancial.com. Or give us a call here at the office at 614-526-4118. But I want to make sure that you get your questions answered and that you know what's happening around you so that you can make informed decisions. Go through our website at egsifinancial.com. Thank you. you tested your fitness level, not your workout routine. I'm talking about your financial endurance, because if saving to a 401k is the extent of your effort, it is time for you to start shaping up. And Ed Sedell is here to help you do that with the retirement trainer. It's his podcast to help you examine your financial stamina and learn the questions you should be asking and areas to focus on to help you get to that place you've been working so hard for a happy, comfortable retirement. And it's not as hard as some might have made you believe. Ed's broken it down into five Five simple steps. It's the retirement fitness plan, which he personally created to help clarify key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the retirement fitness plan at egsifinancial.com. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to the retirement trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. Investment advisory services offered through EGSI Investment Management, DBA EGSI Financial Group, a registered investment advisor. Insurance and annuities offered through EGSI Financial Services, Inc., Ohio license number 102061. Nine.